Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Sean Fox from Schooley Mitchell Telecom Consultants. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on your show. Good. Before we get started, let me tell everyone about who's going to be on the show a little bit later. Tomorrow, we're going to have Rick Apuzo from Sky Eye Weather. Uh, he used to be on Channel 19, and he's been, for the last few years, running his own company, Sky Eye Weather, that sells weather forecasts. Now, there's something that you shouldn't be able to sell, and here at Sandler, we've taught them how to make a nice living selling weather forecasts. I think I'd buy some weather forecasts that are accurate. Yeah. You know, we're doing a Mercedes-Benz concourse on Sunday. I had to ask him, is, is it going to be nice and sunny in Dayton where we're going to have the darn thing? Or should we rent the tent? <laughs> Next week, we're going to have Wendell Bell on Thursday, the June 27th, from Enerfab. He's the CEO of that company. They manufacture steel vessels as well as have subsidiaries that do things like fix electrical power plants. Then we're going to have Tim Schaap, who's the president of Construction Process Solutions, then a fellow named Marty Grogan from, he's the CEO of Optavia Logistics. And we have another fellow that just got added himself to the schedule. It's Mike Lamb. He's the president of Cincinnati Time. He's got a great story to tell us. And we have some other great guests coming up. In the Sandler world, we have a Sandler cold call camp coming up on July 24th. If you're a President's Club member, Lifetime President's Club member, all you've got to do is make a free registration for that. If you're a cold caller or have a whole team of cold callers, call, call me or Carmen at 513-753-9400 and ask what the special rates are for the radio listeners. Let's tell everyone a little bit about Sean. There we go. You're Sean, you're the owner of a franchise, Schooley Mitchell Telecom Consultants here in Cincinnati. Correct. You've been in that business for 10 years? Had my practice for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Were you in telecom before you joined those guys? I was. I'm a bit of a one-trick pony. I graduated school in 1994, started a sales job with a telecom company, uh, which is now, it evolved, it changed names a couple of times. It's now level three. I had a pretty long stint there, eight, nine years, and then worked for another company, which is now CenturyLink. And then my wife formed a company. And that kind of got the entrepreneurial juices going a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's when I looked into the uh, franchising opportunities, and Schooley Mitchell was a good fit. Good. You've been uh, n- just named to the Cincinnati Business Courier's uh, Fast 55 list. Was that the first time for you? It was. We've been trying to get on that list for several years. It was really nice to make it. When uh, when we made it, I was just hoping we weren't number 55. We ended up being number 25. We had about 94% revenue growth between 2010 and through 2012. Wow. Do you have any employees here in Cincinnati? I do. I have a combination of both employees and subcontractors, but I have 
10 people that are both here and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But most of your clients are here in the Cincinnati market? I'd say about 85% of my clients are here locally. One of your former guests, Enterfab, is a client of mine. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of... Coming guests. Coming guests. I have a couple of clients actually in the building that's part of your facilities uh, here are clients of mine as well. We have about 300 in, in total. Mm-hmm. I'd say uh, the, the vast majority, about 85%, are here. But we do business anywhere in the country, and I'm not limited in where I can uh, seek new new customers. Well, that's a pretty good franchising model. In your world, you work in the world of uh, voice processing, uh, long distance, data services. What is a, an MPLS network? It's a, it's a form or a flavor of a data network. You know, the, the scope of our analysis consists of things like local dial tone, Internet access, data networking, regardless of what type of networking it is, whether it's a point-to-point network or an MPLS network, cellular phones, which cellular constitutes a large portion of our business, conferencing. And then in about the last year, we got also into the credit card processing uh, business, not as a vendor, but as a consulting firm uh, that looks at that particular space as well. Well, that's a really confusing space. It's the Wild Wild West. It's a completely unregulated business, and it's amazing to see what Company A and Company B and Company C pay, all of whom are with the same vendor and all of whom have the same processing volume, and the cost structure is radically different, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, which bodes well for us. Oh, yeah. You, anytime you have a Wild West unregulated industry, a consulting firm brings it at a certain advantage to be able to analyze what you're being billed for versus what you should be being billed for. Well, where there's chaos, there's opportunity, I guess, and that, that's the world that we live in. How long have you been in the uh, credit card processing world? We, we got into it. We built basically a practice within a practice. You know, we have so many customers. Schooling Mitchell has over 15,000 customers nationwide amongst our 80-plus franchisees that are both in the United States and in Canada. And, of course, when you have that many clients, uh, you look to expand uh, the, the services that you can offer them. And if you're mm-hmm. trusted in the areas of voice and data and mobile, credit card processing was a really nice fit for us because at the end of the day, it is a telephony-type service because it's an electronic transmission of information, which by definition is what telecom is. Okay. We may get back to that. So you, you work with Internet access lines or remote access, voice over IP, cellular wireless services? Cellular is a big, a big area. In fact, of all the services that we look at, whether it's you know, categorically, if you look at you know, voice or data or mobile, cellular is by far the number one area where we save people money. And it's also the area that's the most difficult to manage, which is a big part of our model as well, since we help clients simplify how those services are managed by being a single point of contact. Good. We'll have to come back to talk about that. You do audio. You manage audio and video teleconferencing. I imagine that gets expensive. Well, actually, it's much less expensive today than it used to be. And you do some strategic planning for uh, telecom? We do. You know, part of uh, we certainly want to save clients money, but the other uh, main part of what we do is we make sure that they have the right services to enable the needs of their business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And before you, you got into this, you, you said you were with a couple of companies, but you didn't mention EDS. I, I was with EDS. I, I worked as in a somewhat of an overlay position uh, of EDS as a subject matter expert in their communications, what they called their communications tower. I was on a team that called on very, very large companies with very large deals, typically in the billions of dollars. And that's a very complex and 
drawn out sales cycle. Mm-hmm. So that was the stint I had right before I decided to get with Schooley Mitchell. Okay. And you live here in the Cincinnati area? I live in Mainville. Mainville, okay. And graduated from Xavier University. Big Xavier grad. <laughs> okay. It, it always amazes me that in Cincinnati, when you say what school did you go to to someone, that it really means what high school you, go, you did you go to. Yeah, it took me about a year to figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not quite as long, but still terribly confusing. Why don't you give our listeners, uh, Sean, a, oh, oh, by the way, Sean has agreed to take questions from listeners. So if you have a question, we'll be screening the calls during the commercial breaks. Uh, there'll be three of them. And you can call in on 646-595-4916. Sean, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your company and, and, and how you you got here? Sure. Well, I mean, before I tell you, you and the listeners, what it is that we do, I think it's better to start by telling them what it is that we don't do. First and foremost, we are not a telecom provider. So we don't sell dial tone or internet circuits or cell phones or credit card processing solutions. And secondly, we're also not an agent or a broker, which means we're not one of those indirect sales channels who aligns ourselves with a carrier or a group of carriers and then gets paid by them. What we are is a completely independent telecom consulting organization. Because we're independent, it allows us to be completely objective to our clients. So when we give them guidance on what they can do to lower their costs or improve upon their uh, service configurations, we're doing it solely in their best interest. And that's our biggest differentiator in the marketplace is I can look a client in the eye and say everything that we do for you is going to be done purely in your best interest because ultimately I don't win unless they win first. And so your fiduciary responsibility is to the end user, not the vendors. Absolutely. We have no linkage whatsoever to the vendors. In fact, we're very, very strict on that within our franchise community. It's rule one, two, and three. If if we were to take a commission or a kickback from a vendor, I would lose a multi-million dollar business instantly. Really? Absolutely. Well, that's a that's a good policy. How did you happen to find Schooley Mitchell? I actually was researching franchise opportunities, and I went through a franchise broker, and I looked at my skill set, which was sales and telecom, and Schooley Mitchell aligned well with that. And once I started the uh, the vetting process, I spoke to other Schooley Mitchell franchisees who had achieved a, a good level of success, one that I thought that I could get to. And and then I just decided to jump in the pool head first. And, you know, fear is a great motivator. You know, when you're used to having a steady paycheck and you go into business for yourself, you, you don't have much of a choice but to get after it and get some clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how many years ago was that? Ten years. Okay. So you have, you've got a proven track record of helping clients. We do. Uh, amongst the – there's about 80 or so Schoolie Mitchell practices uh, right now. We have been the second highest revenue-producing franchise that Schooley Mitchell has. I think in 2013, since this is our year to get some awards, I think we're finally going to get into the top spot this year. At least I'm, I'm hopeful for that. And I'm proud of that because the, the revenue that we take in is a direct correlation to the value that we bring our clients. Because ultimately, Mike, I never collect a dollar unless I save my client $2 to start with because all of our fees are contingency-based. Good. We're going to come back to that when we start the next segment. We're going to listen to a commercial about the tip club. 
which is an organization that I sponsor here in Cincinnati. The next tip club meeting is Thursday, July 18th, 7.30 a.m. here at our Sandler Training Center. Let's listen to what Jimmy Fox has to say about tip club. And you can call in with your questions for Sean at 646-595-4916. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. This is Mike Roth and Sean Fox. Sean, uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you after the show is over? My direct line is 513-225-7922. And my email address is Sean, S-E-A-N, dot Fox, at Schooley Mitchell, which is all one word, dot com. Good. Uh, Sean, why don't you tell us, tell our listeners how you go to market? How do people find you? Or how do you find people? Well, clients. I, I wish they would find us more, but that's typically not part of our strategy. You won't see us advertising on the radio or with TV spots or things of that nature. Um, we rely heavily on referrals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also rely heavily on referral partners. So typically, I find people that are well-connected in the business community. Some of them are customers. Some of them are just influential people. And we get them to understand and believe in our story, and then they're typically very happy to spread the message about us and introduce us into companies that we think that they can help. And then we certainly um, are very aggressive um, from a business development standpoint in reaching out to people and uh, and trying to ulti- ultimately uh, have a chance to explain what we do and how we do it. We typically call on a CFO or a controller usually somebody within a financial silo of a company. Mm -hmm. And the companies that we target typically have a minimum of 25 employees and up. And we usually don't go into the rarefied air of companies that exceed, let's say, 5,000 employees. So anywhere from 25 employees to about 5,000, that's a pretty big sweet spot. But that's the area that we occupy. 
So larger companies that have employees in this area, publicly held companies, you wouldn't go after? Well, it depends how big. Procter & Gamble, no. Kroger, no. But a company like Enerfab, yes. Mm-hmm. A company like Inc. Research, which used to be Kendall International, or Intelligrated, or LSI, or companies along those lines, absolutely. I, I would categorically um, view them as mid-sized companies rather than large you know, enterprise organizations. Yeah, those are small, publicly held companies. Yes. Okay. Uh, from what you said, do you have your own salespeople or, or are you the sales department? I'm a sales force of one. Okay. I, and luckily, I can focus more on the selling now because I used to be the accountant and HR and everything else when I first started my business because it was just me. But I have a team of people, all of my folks are all in what we call a production capacity, which is to say that they're the ones who do the analytics. They're the ones that put together our end product that we deliver to a client, which is a report. Mm-hmm. It's a very well-produced report. Um, they're the ones that do the negotiations with the service providers that we engage. My job is to go find the clients, tell our story, hopefully get them to like our story and give us a chance. And then their job is to make whatever we do behind the curtains happen. Okay. So you recommend going from uh, Verizon to Sprint. Your people would assist the client to make that change? They would. Um, you know, the one thing, the one misconception about our business is, you know, being being carrier agnostic means that we don't have to force people to switch providers in order to save money. So it is more common for us to make a recommendation to keep a company with their current provider, although at a lower price. So what we typically do is show our client three different options. So if you were using Sprint as your incumbent cellular provider, not only would we show you an option with Sprint, we'd also show you one with AT&T and Verizon so that you have good context on what the market bears, and then you can make a well-informed decision. Mm-hmm. Uh and in, in your world, you guys get paid on a percentage of the savings basis? We do. Uh, all of our fees are contingency-based. Uh, they equate to uh, half of the savings uh, that we generate for our clients. So the analysis that we do is done with no upfront cost, no obligation. The onus is on us to produce something uh, to them that's meaningful. And if we do, then we share in the reward. Mm-hmm. For how long? Typically over a three-year period, and it's built quarterly in conjunction with the actual savings. Okay. Uh, I used to be in the telecom business, so I had some dealings early on with uh, outside consultants. My favorite scam was the consultant that would come in and say, if a client had Centrex, we can save you 50% on your Centrex. And what they promptly did is cut 50% of the telephones out of the deal. Right. Which maybe lasted a month or two. Yeah, I mean, our our job really is we, we try to look at things on a like-for-like basis. If a client is paying $500 for a, a T1 or, a, or, you know, some type of data pipe, our job is to figure out how to get it to 350 and hopefully with their current provider. So um, ultimately, if they're leaving a provider a tip, it's our job to take it off the table and give it back to them. And then we'll also show them what they can get that service for with some other providers so that if they do want to go in a different direction – they can do that as well, and we'll implement whatever they say, whether it's as simple as overseeing a pricing change with an existing carrier or moving to a, do- a new carrier or a new technology platform. Okay. And what would you say your unique marketing advantage is? Because there are a lot of 
companies out there that claim to be telecom consultants? Well, consultants is an easy moniker to, to for somebody to, to hang on their bag. And some, and, of, and some of them in this in this town are actually providers of, of hardware and services. Sure. And those companies do a good job, and they have a, a business model that's effective for them, but it's not one we embrace. The biggest differentiator that we have, there's really two fundamental things. Number one, we are completely independent from the carrier community. Therefore, we can be 100% objective. We do not have a competing agenda with a client. I would argue that a telecom carrier or a telecom agent slash broker does have a competing agenda with a client because ultimately a carrier's job is to make as much money for them as they can. Mm -hmm. Rightfully so. They're a for-profit company. Sure. And by the way, we're a for-profit company too. We are are not bashful about that. However, we only happen to make money if we lower our clients' expenses, not raise them. So I think our motives are much more congruent with what a client's looking to do than that of an agent, uh, broker model, or dealing directly with a carrier. The other big um, differentiator that we have is our size. As you mentioned earlier, we are part of a franchise community. So I'm a franchisee that's based here in Cincinnati, but there's over 80 of us spread throughout. And collectively, we have over 15,000 clients. Now, Mike, when you've negotiated for 15,000 clients, you really get to know and understand what all the leading edge price points are from service to service and carrier to carrier. So what we do is we capture that data in a central database and we can use that data to uh, aid us in future negotiations with that particular service provider. So if your company had 100 cell phones with Verizon Mm -hmm. and I'm negotiating on your behalf, the first thing I'm going to do is look into our database and find other clients that we've already negotiated for who are also with Verizon and who also have 100 users. At that point, I'll be able to see the plans they're on, the discount structures they get, the special promotional elements that have been extended to them. And we have this information because we were the architect of those deals. So when I go back to Verizon to negotiate for my client, I'm not on a fishing expedition. I know exactly what to ask for. And more importantly, I can prove to them that that deal exists because I know the precedent that's been established in the market. That's what makes us different. So you're, you like have the Kelly Blue Book for telecom costs. We are the Kelly Blue Book of the telecom costs. It's a good way to look at it. That is a, a really unique uh, market advantage. Uh, what are any obstacles you see in the marketplace today? Well, I don't know so much that they're obstacles, but, you know, clients, you know, there's a lot of uh, changes in technology today. So a lot of times clients um, have a lot of questions with what direction to go. And a lot of that can be quite confusing. But I think that plays into our strengths because, again, we don't come in with an agenda or a product wagon, you know, two feet behind our heels. You know, we can sit down, understand what a business's needs are and help advise them on what's going to be best for them. And uh, much of our competition uh, cannot do that without a strong bias associated with it. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, have a long-term strategic planning process for your company, uh, Sean? Well, I don't know how long-term you consider long-term. But, two years. Oh, two years? Okay. Well, in, in that case, yes. I mean, you know, we we right now, we want steady um profitable growth. We're not out to try to double 
uh, every couple of years. I think that would be quite difficult for us, especially with a sales force of one. Uh, but ultimately, our job is to, first and foremost, take care of the clients that we have, mm-hmm. make sure that we keep them happy and that they want to continue to do business with us, and then find companies who have a need for our services and continue to uh, grow our revenue that way. We don't have one of those models where we bill in perpetuity. So ultimately, we always have to find new clients because uh, eventually uh, clients will fall off typically after Usually, most of my clients fall off uh, after about a six-year period. So there's two rounds of three years each? Usually two rounds of three years each. They're pretty much optimized then? Well, by then the well's pretty dry. Mm -hmm. But what many will do is they'll say, hey, we've been accustomed to using you and calling you for all of our telephony needs, whether it's moves, ads, changes, or new service orders, or running with uh, trouble resolution events. So... In many instances, a client doesn't want to give that up. If you have somebody doing your dirty work for you for six years, you don't wake up one day and say, oh, I, I really miss managing those 200 cell phones. <laughs> so what they'll do, now we can't continue to operate with that client on a contingency model because, like I said, you can't get blood out of a rock. However, right. what we will do is we'll then convert our model to more of a retainer-based agreement to say, because at that point we have a six-year track record of knowing what it takes from a cost internal cost perspective on what it takes to support them so we can arrive at a fair retainer. So in many cases, after six years, we just convert them. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, kind of like the opposite of what Sandler did themselves. A couple, actually, within the last 12 months, they uh, kind of gutted the internal IT department and brought in an outside vendor to manage it. Yeah, and that's the one thing that I really stress you know, to customers when I – sit down with them, especially if there are IT people there, which there commonly are, is we are not an outsourcer. We don't come in, remove bodies, take over. Our job is to empower the client by giving them information and allowing them to make a well-informed decision. It's to educate them uh, with a set of tools that we have that presumably they don't have. Good. Sean, uh, we're going to be taking another commercial break here, and I think what we're going to do is listen to a San LaRule. Uh, if you have a question for Sean, the number is 646-595-4916. Let's listen to San LaRule number 44. Hi, I'm Eric Meyer with San LaRule Training, here to talk about Rule 44. If your foot hurts, you're probably standing on your own toe. Here's an example. You go through your proposal with the prospect. Everything looks great. Your prospect is responding in a positive fashion to the information that you brought to the table. Uh, Everyone feels good. You wrap up and move forward for the order, only to find that the prospect says that they have to take your information to a committee. At this point, you can get angry with the prospect. Why didn't they bring that up? Why didn't they tell you that they were going to have to take this information to somebody else before they could make a decision? Well, it's your job to ask the right questions to uncover roadblocks and potential problems ahead of time so that you don't find yourself scrambling at a future date when it's already too late. So take responsibility when the prospect brings up new problems and challenges. If you ask the right questions ahead of time, you can diffuse a situation before it's too late. And next time you're faced with the situation, the results will be positive. 
This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Sean Fox from Schooly Mitchell Telecom Consultants. I'm glad I got schooled on how to say Schooly. <laughs> it's a mouthful where you can tell we're certainly not uh, a marketing company. Yeah, it's going to have to become SMT. Yeah, we we were definitely. I think we could use a, a lesson on brevity, but not. What was it? My wasn't my namesake, so I've, I have no control on that one. Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, where is the franchise uh, based? Uh, the franchise is based in Stratford, Ontario. So, uh, ironically, Schooley Mitchell started as an accounting firm. And so, of course, they were doing their normal accounting uh, practices for their clients, and they were trying to look uh, for a way to differentiate themselves from their competitors. At the same time, they were trying to clean up their own telephony stuff within their office and doing an audit of sorts and trying to optimize things. And they realized that it was pretty exhaustive and pretty difficult to figure out. So they thought, you know what, why don't we start doing audits, which is more looking in the rear to recover fees uh, for our clients kind of as an additional value-added service. And so that got traction. Uh, then they begin franchising. And now, in addition to looking in the rear for uh, recoveries, the core focus of what we do now is more on the optimization side, which is taking something that's $500 and making sure that that thing turns into 350 going forward. That's a good good way to do it. Uh, as you look at the marketplace, Sean, what do you think the opportunities and possibilities for your company are? Well, we have an infinitely elastic marketplace because if you think about it, every customer, for-profit, non-profit, any conceivable industry vertical has to have telecom. Mm-hmm. You can't be in business, whether it's your business or any other business, without local phone service and long distance and Internet and I would argue even cell phones. There, yeah, we would think they've converted to smoke signals here, but <laughs> exactly, it's not. Yeah, that and passenger pigeons aren't going to work. So we can really call on any type of client. the The only thing that could really derail our business, uh, certainly, the more competition that comes into the marketplace bodes well for us because whether it's differences in pricing or differences in technologies, our job is to give our clients choices. The only thing that could potentially derail our business model is if there was price stagnation in the marketplace. So if you had four competitors who offered the service, but if they were, you know, if everybody offered the service at $500, uh, then that makes our model quite challenging. But I don't think telephony is ever going to uh, see that day because price will always be a way to differentiate services. Mm-hmm. We uh, we participated in the electrical deregulation. Um, and I've noticed that there's a lot of confusion uh, on the part of business owners as to which is the correct electricity uh, aggregator to use. Extremely confusing. We probably take three calls a week here from someone wanting to talk to our, us about our Duke gas and electric bills. Well, if you think about it, if you're a business owner like you, um, you want to focus on your core competency and mm-hmm. what it is that you do best. You know, if you're the owner of a mechanical contracting company, you don't want to be in the cell phone business, but oh. yet you have to be in the cell phone business because you have 80 technicians out in trucks and they rely on that uh, on that communication to empower them. So they look for a company like us to assist them in managing the services. And it's nice because we do it in a way that we self-fund our own fees. Because no client will ever pay us anything unless we give them the savings to pay us with first. Do companies ever have uh, the option of, or have you ever seen a company release 
Well, find other duties for a telecom manager and put you guys in instead? No. Um, we've we've never had somebody removed from their duties because we don't position it that way. You know, if you're an IT director, mm-hmm. first off, telecom, whether it be the data, the voice, even the cellular, it's typically a very small slice of the pie that that person's responsible for. They have systems, they have software, they have applications. Those things are typically of greater strategic importance than uh, a local phone line or an internet pipe or a cell phone. So our messaging uh, to a client is basically, let's allow your people to do things that are more important and more in line with the critical needs of the business and let us handle something that's probably of less strategic value to you, and we'll manage it for you in a way where we're looking out for your best interests. Mm-hmm. So most of them, quite frankly, are very happy to turn it over. I'll tell you this, Mike. For every client that does business with us because they want to save money, mm-hmm. I have a client that does business with us because they say, you know what? I just don't want to be in the phone business. I don't like dealing with carriers. Uh, it's not a space. It's not a sandbox I want to be playing in. And if you can do it, and ultimately, if you can fund uh, your fees through your own work and the savings that you create, I'm more than happy to turn it over to you. Mm-hmm. Where where does a carrier like uh, PowerNet Global fit into the picture? Well, we don't see a lot of PowerNet Global um, in the in the business space uh, that I work in. Um, that's not to say that they're not a good company, uh, but I typically don't come across them very much. Um, the marketplace. Not many people are using them. Well, not, I shouldn't say that. Not many people that I deal with are using them. You, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what they do on the you know the residential side and things along those lines, but I I, I don't see them a whole lot. Um, the market is still dominated uh, in large part by Cincinnati Bell. Uh, behind Cincinnati, I'm talking about for landline and data type services. You have Cincinnati Bell, of course, who's the incumbent local exchange carrier here. And then behind them, you have companies like TW Telecom, you have Time Warner Cable, and uh, you have Windstream and a host of of others. Uh, In the cellular market, certainly the the most dominant carrier here locally is Verizon Wireless. And then, of course, you have AT&T and Sprint and Cincinnati Bell Wireless. So clients here have good choices Mm -hmm. on on carriers. It's just a matter of finding the right fit for them. Why shouldn't uh, a small business just go down to Walmart and get the Walmart? Uh, cell phones under their brand, which they're carried by one of the major players at a much lower price. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know who Walmart uses as the underlying network provider. I don't know if it's T-Mobile or maybe it's AT&T. I, 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 really, I really don't know. Um, typically, you, you, don't, you never see uh, companies go that route because they can't take advantage of the discounts that you can get through a corporate account. You also take, can't take advantage of things like mobile-to-mobile calling and some of the things that are unique uh, to a corporate account that you wouldn't get in what I would refer to that as more of a retail-type uh, offering. Okay. Uh, we have a, a theory of operation here that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. And if you want to solve a complex problem, you have to use a complex solution. Perhaps, Sean, you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you've run into in the last 10 years and the equally complex solution at least from a theory of operation basis, that they may be able to lift up and move into a different company, maybe a manufacturer. Or so you want a complex problem with a, con- a uh, complex, complex solution. solution behind it. Wow, I'm, I'm going to have to think about that for a second here. 
in the telephony that, world. that you ran into, and you could have run into this problem prior to getting uh, over at Schooley Mitchell. Well, I personally, from from my business standpoint, I think a complex problem that a lot of business owners face is finding good salespeople. Uh, that's certainly uh, been a, an issue where I would love to hand the reins over to uh, and get an army of, of people to go out and talk about our services and uh, try to expand our reach. But uh, I have not been able uh, to, to find people that uh, that I think are qualified uh, enough to uh, ultimately feel comfortable with, uh, you know, using or talking about our services. Mm-hmm. How long have you been looking for highly qualified salespeople? Well, I, I always keep an eye open for highly the qualified. caliber top top producers. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and you would have to go, you know, and certainly you have to pay those people well. I think the one thing that we do well with uh, with all our people, uh, one of the things I'm, you know, most pleased about with our company is we've never lost a person mm-hmm. um, in the 10 years I've had my practice. Mm-hmm. So we tend to pay towards the high side of the range because mm-hmm. I believe in continuity. Sure. And uh, I also believe in paying for talent. I think it's worth it. And uh, quite frankly, our business has been very healthy, so we've been in a position to be able to do that. So you may get flooded with calls from Sandler President's Club people who are listening to this because uh, they, for the most part, make it a large investment in themselves to get to the next level of their career, and they tend to be A players. Uh, On the other side, uh, you brought up an interesting anomaly that probably during an average year, at least 40% of the time that we spend in our sales management program with company owners and managers, is on how to recruit winners in sales. That is the single most popular question. How do I find someone who can be a winner in my company, in my industry? They're difficult to find. Um, you know, the the ideal candidate for us would be a winner's club type caliber uh, uh, rep who has a telecom background and who's a hunter. Uh, that's why Schooley Mitchell's been such a good fit for me. You know, in the, you know, I went to eight or nine presidents' clubs in a row with the telecom companies that I was uh, involved with before I started Schooley Mitchell, and that tends to be the right recipe of what we look for for a successful franchisee or for a successful employee mm-hmm. if they're in a sales role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, my production people—that's a completely different. Uh, right. Sales, sales, sales are different. I, uh, I was the fifth employee at Cable and Wireless in America. Ah, and I helped grow them from almost no revenue to almost a billion dollars. We probably know a lot of the same people uh, from Cable and Wireless. Then I'm sure you know Al Pizer. I, I've heard of Al. Oh, okay, he was the number two employee. <laughs> uh, that's a whole different discussion. We'll take that offline. Uh, but winners in sales uh, are easy to find. Sometimes they're not in your industry. And a winner can be taken from software, hardware, services. And my discovery was that most most of the winners in sales, if they're happy with their company, if they're happy with their product, they're happy with the way they're being treated, they won't leave. But the ones that I get calls from are the ones that say, hey, Mike, my software company just doubled my quota, cut the commission rate, so I have to sell two and a half times as much as I sold this year, next year, to make the same amount of money. Who do you know that's looking for someone good? There's a lot of journeymen um, out there in the telecom world that seem to bounce from company to company. I'm sure you see that in the uh, in the training world as well. You know, I uh, 
That's why you know. Sales and there's some companies. Uh, I don't want to use any names on the air, but they hire uh, 300 people a year, knowing full well 265 of them aren't going to make it uh, for a number of reasons. But they want to fill the chairs, uh, even the ones that make it, the good ones. They're easily extractable, and the good ones, the A-level players, they can easily move from the mortgage industry to the telecom industry because they were inherently well-trained, good salespeople. Sales is a set of skills that are learned. It's not a natural uh, born trait. Uh, as, as I've been talking, we've been running over. We've got to take another commercial break. So this will be your last chance to call in with a question for Sean Fox. The number is 646-595-4916. Let's listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are we hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is a message for professional salespeople. It's an unusual message. I'm going to tell you that our product is expensive and difficult. It takes effort to use, and it's not for everyone. We provide difficult but effective sales training. It's the kind of training familiar to champion athletes. It builds winners in the world of business. We don't promise quick fixes or color brochures, only hard work that will teach you how to sell effectively even when your price is higher. If you're tired of hearing, I want to think it over. If you're finally ready to invest in yourself and your sales career and learn how to close more business faster, call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, and we'll invite you to our next Lunch and Learn Sales Discovery Workshop, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth and Sean Fox. We're going to begin this segment with a simple question. Sean, you've got had your own company now for 10 years with a lot of people working for you. Perhaps you could give our listeners, other CEOs who, and company presidents, a leadership tip. Sure. I'm, I'm very big into culture and uh, the, the type of people that we want on our team. Um, I, I definitely look for people of uh, very high integrity uh, with, uh, with not only their team members, uh, but with our, our clients. And I think that starts, you know, with me uh, in, in the way that, uh, that I treat our people and, and treat our customers. We tend to over-communicate um, so that everybody's on the same page with respect to what the expectations are. Um, and certainly even with customers, uh, you know, sometimes you have to call customers and give them news that they're not going to like. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't like being in limbo, and customers don't like ling- being in limbo. So sometimes uh, it just helps if uh, it, it helps if you can communicate well with people, uh, both internally and then uh, externally with your clients as well. Mm-hmm. 
Is there anything else that you've learned as a leader that you didn't expect you were going to learn? Well, one of the things I learned was that I can't and shouldn't expect everybody on my team to be and think like me. I have to set them up in a position to where they're going to succeed. Um, I also have to understand and accept that they may not care as much about certain things as I do, and nor should they. So I think one of the things that I learned, uh, and it took a, a while to learn it, I think, was to uh, accept the fact that my team, uh, each person has a unique set of skills. It's my job to find a position within the company that highlights those skills and puts them in a good position so that they can succeed and that they can develop their career and that I'm not trying to go hire 10 versions of me. Mm-hmm. That because uh, I tell you what, if there were eleven me's out there, there there'd be a lot more bad than good. I think. Yeah, going on. might go in, in eleven different directions we'd, at yeah, the same we'd, time. We'd be in a tailspin. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't work in most places. Uh, maybe you could share with our listeners uh, what you, a telecom company, is doing on the internet. I know you don't you haven't told us that you specialize in optimizing the internet. Uh, so what are you you guys doing to optimize your company's performance on the Internet so people can find you who are looking to save money on telecom or, uh, in fact, I didn't even know until today that you do uh, the merchant credit cards, services. merchant services, yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of that Schooley Mitchell corporate will do. Um, I know that we do a lot of blogging. Um, I'm certainly heavily involved in LinkedIn. Um, I don't do a lot of uh, social media. I, I don't do any Facebook or Twitter, uh, but uh, we, we certainly have a, uh, a large presence uh, in LinkedIn. And I, I know that our company uh, does a lot on the Internet in terms of trying to make sure that uh, we are optimally positioned for web searches and things along those lines. So if you look up telecom consultants or independent consultants, uh, hopefully we're going to be at or near the top of those uh, search criteria. So the way Schooley Mitchell works is there's only one uh, outlet here in the Cincinnati marketplace. Yes, I'm the I'm the only uh, practice that's here in Cincinnati. Um, we have other practices throughout Ohio. I think we have five or six different franchisees within Ohio, but I'm the only one here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Is it a protected territory kind of franchise? It's not. Um, other people can come in here, uh, but I, I've I have a pretty grounded position here with respect to the relationships that I have and the customers that I've called on throughout the years that it would probably be pretty difficult for another franchisee to come into this market compared to a, a much larger you know market where there's the Cleveland well or, or you know I'm thinking you know markets like Chicago or things like that where you just have so many more businesses that you can potentially call on sure. Um, I did want to go back to the the internet question. Do you have your own internet page, or is it controlled by your franchisor? I do have uh, what we call a landing page. So if you go to schoolymitchell dot com, mm-hmm. um, you can click on an icon that says uh, our consultants, and then drill into specific states, and then specific cities, and then get to my landing page. Uh, but also on my business card, I have the URL uh, to get to my specific landing page, which gives a, a bio 
Um, it, it shows customer testimonials. It gives uh, information about my practice and my background and uh, also some of the causes uh, that we're involved in, some of the charitable work that we do. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's it's good that each of the franchisees uh, has that information. Uh, since you brought it up, what charitable uh, organizations do you support? Well, my wife and I are uh, WISH volunteers for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Mm. Um, That's a good one. We have... Uh, we really uh, were fortunate that we've never had to utilize Make-A-Wish. We do have three children. We have three boys. They're eight, six, and five. So there's no, there's never a dull moment in our house. But um, thank God they're all healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's a, an organization because we have kids that uh, is really uh, near to our hearts. So we we help facilitate wishes. Uh, also involved uh, with St. Jude's. Uh, Children's Research Hospital. Um, I recently got involved with another organization called Mercy Ships, which sends um, certain types of med- medications and things to uh, coastal cities along Africa and places where they can't get uh, some of the, the basic supplies that you need to Those live. Those are like the uh, Red Cross ships that go up and down the African coast, dock at a port, do some operations on people who need medical help. Correct. Then move on to the next city. Yep. Okay. I've seen some stuff about that on TV. That's real good. Uh, here in Cincinnati, I'm a member of the Downtown Rotary Club. Uh, we're always looking for new members. You're more than welcome to come down as, uh, and visit the Rotary Club. We, we're, our uh, 25-year project has been to wipe out polio, and we're down to... I think the last two countries in the world were that close. I'm holding my fingers about an inch apart. That's great. Yeah. Uh, it's been almost a miracle every year. We, we had match, matching grants, it seems, from uh, the Ford Foundation or Bill Gates Foundation. Uh, and here in, in Cincinnati, we, we own uh, Camp Allen and Stepping Stones is our franchisee that operates it for us. We take care of uh, children and adults with great disabilities. A phenomenal uh, organization here in Cincinnati Rotary. I think you know that that's the that's the chapter of my life that I'm looking forward to the most. I'm 41 now, but you know whenever I uh, decide to to you know phase out of uh, Schooley Mitchell, which probably won't be for quite a while, but I, I could see myself getting involved with a nonprofit and using whatever talents I have at that time in my life to to feel like I'm doing something worthwhile can only play so many rounds of golf. I mean, if the hardest decision you have all day is whether to hit a five or a six iron, uh, I, I don't think that I'm, I don't think I'm uh, the type of person that wants to be doing that. Yeah, I, I understand completely. When I moved back to Cincinnati, moved to Cincinnati 22 years ago, uh, I looked at my golf clubs in the garage and I said, gee, I've been in 15 years in California. I uh, played golf twice. Eh, let's not take them. <laughs> and, uh, haven't missed it. Uh, it. Takes too much time. All those people who love golf. Well, I, well, it's a great sport. Well, people ask me. I, I I used to golf before I started Schooley Mitchell, and then uh, uh, that's gone by the wayside. Not to mention, I have three young boys. So if I said to my wife at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning that uh, you know I'll see you at two, honey, I think I'd have a gunshot wound in the back of my head. So golf is uh, not in my immediate plans. Mm-hmm. It used to be in my plans when I was in the IT world. It was a uh, a great prospecting tool on one side, and it was a great relaxation tool on the other side. Because you, know, you could throw your clubs into the water or, or break them, and wouldn't hurt anybody. It was a great, great way to take frustration out. Was playing golf. Uh, 
I want to thank you for uh, for being on the show, uh, Sean. Uh, do you have any uh, last comments? No, I, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to talk to you, and to, it was interesting to learn a little bit about uh, your Sandler practice and the work that you're doing. Um, and uh, I, I hope uh, those who listen, uh, if they certainly uh, need some help with respect to um, controlling their telecom costs or perhaps uh, managing their services, I hope they uh, they reach out to us and, and give us a shot to help them. Sean, uh, I want to thank you for again for being our guest on the show. I'm going to give you a copy of uh, David Matson's our book called The 49 Sandler Rules. This book came out about two years ago, hit number one on the uh, Amazon bestseller list and then went on to uh, the Wall Street Journal bestseller list for about three months and on three in three million books on Amazon, it's still rated in the area of about three thousand. I was going to ask you when uh, we went to one of our commercial breaks. It was, I believe, it was tip forty-four. So I was wondering how many Sandler tips that there were. Rules. I didn't know if, rules. Oh, Sandler rules. That's right. Uh, I uh, I didn't know if we got into three-digit territory or not. But actually, yeah. they they do. Uh, there's over three hundred and fifty rules and corollaries. That book only takes. Uh, 49 of them, and puts them into a psychological order. Selling is a psychological business. It's not about product or service. In the book, you'll find a million dollars that I I help people make and a copy of our local Sandler calendar where we have 40 hours a a month of training, and you should have a free Sandler pass in there. Uh, Come to one of those. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.